Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome once again to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing on this Thursday? I am excited about this show. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, Backwoods Barbecue, and Planet Fitness. And before my co-host Corey Bank comes on with the Daily Dash, we're going to make some NFL picks for week three. And I'm so excited about that. I'm going to have... My former co-host from the Up All Night Show, Brad Page, to talk a little college football this weekend. So on the show, I'm going to have my current co-host, and I'm going to have my former co-host. It's about to be a bro-down. But we do have a great show. The Atlanta Braves lose to the Washington Nationals, and their bullpen woes continue as they give up two in the seventh, and they cannot get the sweep over the Nationals, and they remain one game behind the New York Mets in the NL East. You got the Phoenix Suns owner getting ready to sell that team. Who wants to go buy the Phoenix Suns? Immediately when I heard that, I googled Phoenix billionaires to see if there's anybody out there that's willing to purchase the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. You get a you get a two for one deal there with the WNBA team, the Mercury. And good news for all you Trey Lance fans. He's not out for the season. Let's get right into the show. Before we start things, I just want to remind everybody, hey, you are listening to us, and this is episode 466, as this is the exclusive podcast that covers local Columbus sports five days a week. There is no other podcast in the Columbus area that is committed to covering all the local sports in Columbus to include Right now, high school football, but in about a month, I'll be the exclusive home of River Dragons coverage, Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars basketball, Columbus Rapids, Columbus Lions, and the Columbus Chattahoots. I'm committed, and being a broadcaster, it is a grind, and I am committed to this podcast, and I've got Corey Bank on board. He believes in what I'm doing, and that's why he has agreed to be my co-host. We just get along so great and have so much chemistry on TV, on the TV broadcast for the high school game of the week on the CW Jabama. And I am always up to the challenge of pushing myself to be the best broadcaster that I could be. I have 20 years of experience and I've been doing this for a very long time. With that being said, let's go ahead and get right into the show. The Atlanta Braves, they fall to the Washington Nationals in an afternoon game 3-2. to Tyler Matzik and Jesse Chavez gave up two runs in the top of the seventh inning. But the Atlanta Braves are still a game behind the New York Mets after the Mets lost to the Milwaukee Brewers. And then they will travel up to Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Phillies for a four-game series. If you look at who the Mets are playing, 
The New York Mets are taking on the Oakland Athletics. The Oakland Athletics, who probably will not have more than 5,000 fans in their ballpark. They take on the Miami Marlins for a two-game series. But get ready for a three-game series next weekend at Truett's Park between the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves all the way into October. And then the Mets close out with the Washington Nationals. This pennant race between the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves is going to go down to the wire. This kind of reminds me of last year with the Giants and the Dodgers. And they were one game ahead of the Dodgers. With the playoff format being a little bit different last year with the one game playoff between the Cardinals and the Dodgers. But this year, you're going to get two extra teams. So I like the playoff format. Right now, the Dodgers are the number one seed. The Mets would be the number two seed. The number three seed would be the Cardinals. The number four seed would be the Braves. The number five seed would be the Padres. And the number six seed would be the Phillies. So as it stands, the playoffs would be the Phillies would take on the Cardinals and the Padres would take on the Braves. The Milwaukee Brewers, the San Diego Padres, and the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks are all still alive for the playoffs. You know, anybody can go on a run. I've seen the Colorado Rockies in 2007 just run off a bunch of games and they made it all the way to the World Series. Any baseball team could get hot at the right time. Moving over to the American League standings. By the way, I didn't cover it on the show yesterday, but Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run. He's tied Babe Ruth for the New York Yankees record, and now he is one home run away from tying Roger Maris. That magical 61 number. They made a movie about it. Billy Crystal directed it. It was actually a pretty decent movie. Right now, the Houston Astros would be the number one seed. The New York Yankees would be the number two seed. The Cleveland Guardians would be the number three seed. Your wild card teams would be the Toronto Blue Jays, the number four seed. The Tampa Bay Rays, the number five seed. The number six seed would be the Seattle Mariners. So as it stands right now, the Seattle Mariners would snap their postseason drought. They have not made the postseason since 2001. Got to keep an eye on the other teams on the outside looking in to include the Baltimore Orioles and the Chicago White Sox. The Major League Baseball postseason for 2022 will start on Friday, October the 7th. The wild card games would be a best of three series, followed by the division series, which is a best of five series. And then the ALCS and the NLCS is a best-of-seven series. I really like this playoff format. It's going to be crucial that if you've got home field advantage and you're going in, you've got to win game one. So Yahoo Sports says that Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver is planning to sell the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, mainly because of the controversy. But the big question is who is going to buy the Phoenix Suns. We saw this with the Clippers when Donald Sterling sold the team to Steve Ballmer. And the Clippers have been relevant. They've actually been competitive. The Phoenix Suns have had a long history of doing well in the regular season and and not amounting to anything in the postseason. They did get to the NBA Finals in 2021. 
but they also got to the finals in 93 and 1976 and they could not get over the hump. Whoever comes in and purchases the Phoenix Suns, they're going to want to try to give Phoenix a championship. Remember, the state of Arizona only has one championship and it is the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2001. Gee, at a time like this, I kind of wish that I could bring Tanya Chavez back on the show because she is from New Mexico and I guess she roots for the Phoenix teams. I mean, Arizona is right next to New Mexico. Hey, we got a big high school game tonight in Atlanta. Hapefield Charter is hosting the Carver Tigers who came off of a bye and they're going up to Hapefield to play Hapefield Charter. All right, so a recent report says that Trey Lance is going to be recovered from his broken ankle 10 to 12 weeks. So Trey Lance is not going to be out for the season. There is a chance that he could start practicing with the team in November. And I think this is going to be great for the development of Trey Lance because he is the future. I still think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter for the remainder of the season. But I would rather see that. Trey Lance being able to come back toward the end of the season and just get some practices in. I don't think that he is going to bail out Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that Jimmy G is going to lead the 49ers to a lot of wins this year. In fact, that is going to be one of my football picks, the Sunday night game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Denver Broncos. I will have my co-host Corey Bank on for the Daily Dash. We will go through our NFL picks. The San Francisco 49ers are bringing back Tevin Coleman, and uh, I'm 1-1 one one in my fantasy football. And I've got to make some moves this week because the team I'm playing is actually projected to beat me. And I, I, let's let's go. Looking at my fantasy football team, I got Lamar Jackson taking on the New England Patriots. On my bench is Marcus Mariota. But, you know, I'm going to keep Lamar Jackson on there. My running backs, Travis Ntien and Tyler Algier. He is actually projected to get 6.5 fantasy points because Seattle's run defense is not all that great. Debo Samuel going up against a great secondary with the Denver Broncos, but I'm going to keep him in the starting lineup. That's a no-brainer. George Pickens going up against the Cleveland Browns. Maybe he'll get me some fantasy points. I got Kyle Pitts, who Atlanta's not throwing to right now. Uh, still going to keep him in the starting lineup because you just never know he could have a breakout game. I'm not going to bench one of my players and to have them get over 20 points and, and hurt my chances of winning this week. I got the 49ers defense against Denver. I'm not projected to get a whole lot of points there. I don't have a backup defense, so I'm just going to keep it as is. And then Noah Brown, who I picked up on waiver wires, he got me a lot of fantasy points last week. And I'm going to start him against the Giants. And then Graham Gano, who got me a lot of fantasy points last week as well. I like keeping players fresh for Monday night, just in case if I'm winning or losing. You know, I, I pretty much gives me an opportunity to watch that Monday night football game and just be intrigued by it. Still, I'm thinking Brett Perryman. I have him on my bench, and I have Mac Hollins. I'm wondering... If I'm going to be kicking myself if they end up getting a breakout game and they get a lot of fantasy points and I didn't start them. But yeah, one on one in my fantasy league. I do take fantasy football seriously. I did win fantasy football in 2019. Uh, 2020 was a pandemic year and that didn't fare well for me at all. 
So I'm looking forward to fantasy football. I, I, I love fantasy football. All right, I think it's about time to bring my broadcast partner and co-host of this Sports Beat show that I do, Corey Bank. He is going to be on for the Daily Dash. We're going to make some football picks. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be back with the one, the only, Corey Bank for... Welcome back to the Daily Dash with Corey Bank. And I got Corey Bank, my broadcast partner here on the show. We're going to do NFL picks for week three. Let's start out with the local team here in Georgia, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Seattle Seahawks. It's a pick game up in the Pacific Northwest at Quest Field. Usually that's a major home field advantage for the Seattle Seahawks. They are one-on-one after, after losing to the San Francisco 49ers, 27-7. The Atlanta Falcons could easily be 2-0 after. Corey, who do you have in this game? Well, the Seattle Seahawks are led by quarterback Geno Smith, who's been a game manager so far. On the offensive side of the ball, he's had pass catches Will Disley and Kobe Parkinson to throw to as a security blanket while he has his star receiver, his home run flyer, DK Metcalf. So the Seattle Seahawks' ground game is led by running back Rashad Penny. But defensively, Seattle's led by linebacker Jordan Brooks. He leads the Seattle's physical defense, bringing the blitz packages and the coverages. But the Atlanta Falcons are led by quarterback Marcus Mariota, who last week played an average at best game. He had a touchdown ratio to interception ratio of two touchdowns and two interceptions. And now they're rushing attack. They're led by Cordell Patterson. And in the past game, Drake London. But on the defensive side of the ball, they're led by Mikel Walker, linebacker, who imposes his will on the defense when he was in the tackle box and in coverage, the guy's a physical stud. I do believe in this game the Seahawks are going to take this one. I actually agree with you, Corey. I think that it's just too much for the Atlanta Falcons to try to get the road victory, especially in a hostile environment like Seattle. The home field advantage for the Seattle Seahawks does make all the difference in the world. That's why they were able to pull off that victory over the Denver Broncos. However, the Seahawks are a team that just does not look the same without Russell Wilson. And I think it's going to be a close game, but the Atlanta Falcons don't win up in Seattle that often. And that crowd is just going to be on fire and Seattle is going to pull out the victory. Let's go to the next game. We have Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is 2-0. and Green Bay is 1-1 one and one after Aaron Rodgers finally got on the same page with his receivers, especially Sammy Watkins as they beat the Chicago Bears, as they pushed their record to 1-1. One and one. And uh, this is the Fox game of the week. We're going to have the big-time broadcast. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are favored by one. Tampa Bay is going to be without Mike Evans. For all you fantasy football players, Brashard Perryman's out there on waiver wires. I just picked him up. Yeah, Mike Evans is not going to play in this game. They might not have Chris Godwin. And I think that Tampa Bay's defense, even though they are stout, Aaron Rodgers is starting to feel the rhythm with his wide receivers. Corey, I'm picking Green Bay in this game. It's going to be a very close game. But who do you have in this game? So, Richard, in this game, the Tampa are coming off a week two win led by legendary quarterback Tom Brady, who has become the oldest quarterback ever to start a football game. The Bucs 
have their leading rusher, workhorse running back Leonard Fournette, who's been dynamic, getting inside the holes, getting jump cuts outside the holes, and they have a dynamic receiver who I believe is going to step up in this game, and that is Chris Godwin. He is going to be Brady's intended target in the game. Now, in regards to their defense, they're led by linebacker Devin White, who can survey the field. He is one of the best run-stuffing linebackers in the game. And when you get him blitzing on the outside packages, there's almost no one better. Now, on the Green Bay Packers side of the football, you got future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. And the rushing attack is led by Aaron Jones, who averaged 8.8 yards a carry in his last game. And they got their thumper, power back, A.J. Dillon, who also is an incredible runner as well, getting inside the tackles and driving ball carrier on the outside and really getting it together. Now, their leading pass catcher is Fort Myers, Florida own Sammy Watkins, a dynamic receiver on the defensive side to really bolster all the opportunities they need at the wide receiver position. And now on the defensive side of the ball, they have outside linebacker Preston Smith, who had two sacks last week. But with all this information, I still think the Bucks are going to come up with a win in this game. All right. And they do have the home field advantage. That is a good pick. I mean, that game could go either way. But let's talk about that Sunday night football game. The San Francisco 49ers taking on the Denver Broncos. And Russell Wilson has owned the 49ers this past decade, but he was in a different uniform. He was in a Seahawks uniform. The line has gone in the 49ers' favor. Now that Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback, the 49ers are a better team with Jimmy G. And now the 49ers are the favorite. It is in the Mile High City. I think that the altitude is going to be a big factor. Expect a lot of field goals. It's going to be a defensive game. You got two of the most talented defenses in the NFL. And I think that Denver is going to win because they're playing at home. And they're going to figure it out with Russell Wilson. But it's going to be a close game. Who you got, Corey? So the 49ers are led by veteran quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Answering at the helm with the injury of Trey Lance. He was a game manager last week. He threw for a touchdown pass and rushed for one. Jeffrey Wilson is the lead running back for the 49ers. And they are led by Swiss Army Knife in both the pass game and run game, Debo Samuel. He is a dynamic player for the 49ers. In the end of the day, that is what I have for the Niners. But on the Broncos side, it's very surprising so far. Russell Wilson has not been in true form on the big contract they've had. And he hasn't broken his mold just yet. So he's been inconsistent so far. But the backfield has been led by committee of backs, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, each averaging around five yards a carry to give them the spark, the need they have to gain time and possession in the football games. And last week's game, Cortland Sutton was a leading pass catcher with their hopes and dreams that they wish to have Jerry Judy step up. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they are led by Draymond Jones, who had two sacks in last week's game. But all in all, I believe the 49ers are going to take care of business in the Battle of the West. 
The reason why I'm going with Denver here is because, you know, the 49ers beating the Seahawks. The Seahawks made a lot of mistakes in that game in San Francisco. And uh, Jimmy G just wasn't crisp yet. I mean, he needs to get some more time under his belt just to get into a rhythm. And we still don't know the status of George Kittle. If George Kittle doesn't play, I don't think the 49ers win. But that is going to be the factor. I mean, I got to go to the injury report, Corey, and see if George Kittle is going to be a game-time decision for this game. That's for sure, Richard. All right. The final game we're going to do is the Monday night football game, the the surprising 2-0 New York Giants. I know you as a Jets fan doesn't really like to hear that. I don't mind that either way. All right. <laughs> no, the, the, the Giants are 2-0. They're taking on. The Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys, 1-1, one and one, but it doesn't really matter where it's at. It's at MetLife Stadium in New York, and the Giants are favored by one. This is a hated rivalry. The Dallas Cowboys, they're going to ride and die with Cooper Rush until Dak Prescott is back from his injury. He led the Cowboys to a win, a walk-off field goal against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Giants are 2-0, and and... They're a methodical 2-0 under head coach Brian Dable. I think the Giants are going to win, and they're going to go 3-0. What do you think, Corey? So, the Cowboys are led by quarterback Cooper Rush, who was, a cons- who was consistent last week. He did not make any mistakes throwing the football. They are led in the ground attack by running back Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. The receivers to watch out for in this game are Noah Brown and C.D. Lamb. They're both interchangeable. And the defense is led by linebacker Vander Esch and Micah Parsons, who are absolute beasts at run-stuffing, some of the best in the league and blitzing. The Giants are led by quarterback Daniel Jones, who was consistent with his reads last week and are led by a balanced running back by the name of Saquon Barkley who has had a strong 2022 campaign. But on the defensive side of the ball, they are led by Julian Love, safety, the leading tackler last week. But in this NFC East matchup, I take the Cowboys. We had some great picks. I mean, we agreed on one of the games and the other three games we have disagreed. But uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, these NFL picks, I mean – You can never tell, especially in the National Football League. Week three, I am excited about this uh, upcoming week three. Is there any games that we have not discussed that you are looking forward to, you know, besides your Jets? Those Jets, they got the Bengals coming up. A very angry Bengals team that should not be 0-2 off to a slow start. Is is Joe Flacco still going to be the quarterback? I mean, you I know you talked about Zach Wilson being out for a while, right? They have to ride the wave of Joe Flacco. At this point in time, the kid isn't ready. Yes, that is exactly right. And uh, uh, Garrett Wilson, if you haven't picked him up on your fantasy team, I think uh, how he's already gone. Uh, Brees Hall, I actually I would go to waiver wire and try to see if Brees Hall was available because I think he could have a big game. Uh, but the Jets are playing at home. I think that uh, they could possibly get the win. I mean, they play hard for their head coach, Robert Sala. I mean, they, they never quit in that game against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns should have won that game. Nick Chubb even said that he should have just went down, and if he, went, if he didn't go into the end zone, that the Browns would have won that game. And uh, so it's going to be a very exciting game, and the Bengals are a very desperate 0-2 team. We got another matchup. We're going to do one matchup. I mean, I know you haven't done analysts about this, but 
You got two 0-2 teams that made the playoffs last year about to face each other. One of these teams is going to be 0-3. The Tennessee Titans versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I know the percentages get really low when a team starts 0-3, but do you see one of these teams, if they go 0-3, making the playoffs? Both these teams, I really didn't think were going to be 0-2 this far in the season. They each have decent ground attacks, and uh, Derrick Henry has not been really running the football too well this year, but it's because of the declining play of Ryan Tannehill. His age is definitely catching up to him, and we're going to see if maybe they're going to include Malik Willis inside the game plan for the Titans. Now, on the other side of the fence, you have a team that they got Devontae Adams, and he's supposed to be a dynamic receiver. But the bottom line is that they've had nothing besides him. They need to find a way to get the run game going, opening up those holes for those running backs. That's going to be the decision in this game. But I think that the Titans are going to finally get themselves together they have one of the best backs in football in Derrick Henry, and they have a very decent defense once they dial it up. I cannot imagine the Las Vegas Raiders, who made the playoffs last year, and they look like a better team. I just can't imagine them being 0-3, but I can't imagine the Titans being 0-3 either. So uh, one of these teams is going to be 0-3, uh, but we will find out. And uh, I can't wait to have you back on and, and talking more NFL football, but Hey, we have got a great show tomorrow, Corey, because we have the high school football preview review show and the high school game of the week is IMG Academy at Central. That's a big game. You're from Florida. Was IMG Academy in existence when you were playing high school football down in Florida? IMG Academy has been there for a long time. It is a lower grade uh, ball in, in the state of Florida. I believe what a 2A, 3A school, it's because it's a small school. They never really got tested playing against the St. Thomas Aquinas of the world, the Dillards, the Boyd Andersons, the Lakelands of the world. So IMG Academy, they're a decent team, but they never really had a lot of talent to play against the, the Titan-like teams. But it is a factory of four-star and five-star recruits. Parents will send their children to IMG Academy to try to make them better athletes. I mean, they really have some training that they have. It, pretty much it's like a boarding school for athletics. And that's why, you know, every time you hear of IMG Academy, you think of big boy football. Well, they're going to be put to the test as they will take on Central. And that game is going to be on ESPNU. We're going to be at the Russell County Valley game, but I'm going to record it and I'll watch it later because that's always cool that Central gets to be on ESPN. But we have a football game to call. I know that that's the big game in the Chattahoochee Valley, but I'm really looking forward to calling that game with you between Russell County and Valley. We'll talk about that tomorrow as well. Could be a lot of fun, Richard. All right. I can't wait to have you back on tomorrow so we can break down uh, some high school football games. And uh, you have been listening to The Daily Dash with Corey Bank. We will be right back with Brad Page. Welcome back to the show, and I have got my former co-host from the Up All Night Show, Brad Page. Thank you, Richard. Always great to be on here. Hope you're doing well. This Tennessee-Florida rivalry, this really kick-started my love for college football. You know, I arrived to Freed Harbin University, the school where we both went to, 
1999. I visited the campus in 1998. And all my life, I was an NFL fan. No investment in a college football team. None whatsoever. I mean, so when I arrived to the state of Tennessee, in the height of the Tennessee Volunteers program, when I arrived to Tennessee in 1999, it felt like the Super Bowl. There were so many students that were in the lobby of our dorm watching that game like it was the Super Bowl. And then it dawned on me that college football is big in the South. I mean, that's an understatement. How big is this game this, this Saturday? I mean, every year it is always huge. I mean, Tennessee has always had a dislike for Florida. Um, I believe it's all started, you know, in the early 90s when Spurrier had the Florida program, you know, rolling high with a great offense and nobody could, you know, stop the air attack. And it always comes down to Tennessee and Florida. Uh, it, you know, it always comes down to them, you know, who is going to, have a upper lead, you know, to take over the East. You know, if you lose this game, it's really hard to get in the race to win the SEC East. And Florida has always beaten Tennessee, you know, uh, for for a long time, especially in the 90s. And it, and, and it wasn't until um, 98 when Tennessee was able to uh, take down Florida after so long. And I remember watching that game in 98. I was so excited when – Florida had a chance to win it with a field goal. They missed, and uh, I uh, jumped up and hit my head on the ceiling and <laughs> watching the game with my uncles. Uh, but, you know, it's always t- – Tennessee and Florida have always had this – both passionate schools have always had a dislike for each other. <laughs> and definitely in recent years, Tennessee has struggled with Florida, especially um, especially when uh, Dan Mullen recently took over Florida. Um, they, you know, they've uh, struggled. They haven't beaten them since 2016, and that's when Butch Jones was, uh, you know, at Tennessee. Josh Dobbs was there, um, and, and they did beat them in, in Knoxville in 2016. And yeah, this this game is so huge. This uh, this series is always so so huge. War, uh, a lot of Tennessee fans are excited to see what can happen Saturday, especially with game day coming to Knoxville. I mean, all the nation's going to be watching this game definitely. It should be a great game, um, but this rivalry has definitely gone uh, way back. I remember one time when Spurrier said, you can't spell the Citrus Bowl without UT. <laughs> he, <laughs> he always thought that Tennessee was going to go to the Citrus Bowl, uh, no matter what their record was. But Phil Fulmer and Spurrier have always uh, gone at it. And, yeah, I'm glad to see this rivalry kick back up. Like this, tank, this game really means something again, as it hasn't in, you know, in – in recent years, Florida leads the season series 31 to 20. Like you mentioned, Tennessee has only beaten Florida one time since 2005, as Florida has owned this rivalry. This Saturday, it's the 3:30 kickoff game on CBS. Tennessee is a double-digit favorite, but you could throw out the record books and the point spread when it comes to a rivalry game like this, even though it's in Knoxville. I mean, if Anthony Richardson does something superhuman, I give Florida a chance. Although I like Tennessee in this game, some of my memorable Florida-Tennessee games, because I watch this all the time. I mean, that was the local college football team. I had no ties to Georgia yet until I moved there in 2006. So Tennessee in the early 2000s owned Florida. In fact, from 1998 to 2004, Tennessee leads the series 4-3, to including a game that was postponed because of 9-11, it was December the 1st, 2001. Tennessee wins a 34-32 to game in the Swamp. 
And then two years later, Tennessee wins in the swamp once again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Recently, I mean, they've had, um, you know, their their upper hand. I guess. I mean, I guess you could say, you know, early two thousands. Yeah, Tennessee was very competitive. Uh, you know, with Florida, with the, the Pruitt era, I mean, you know, they definitely struggled. No matter what the record is, it's always come down to it, it's always going to be a great game. I mean, these two programs always put on a show. It's always a great game. And a lot of it has come down to, you know, a final play, whether it be, uh, you know, a field goal or a Hail Mary. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, it's always a great time. I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Brad, I want to take you back to 2009. 13 mm-hmm. years ago, Florida was the defending national champions. They were number one in the country. And Tennessee had Lane Kiffin as their head coach. Mm-hmm. And Florida was a elite. I want to say they were a 20-point favorite. They, Tennessee was unranked. Florida was ranked number one. They played hard for, for Lane Kiffin. And yeah. you, remember, you remember when Lane Kiffin said if they beat Florida, he was going to sing Rocky Top all night? <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to seen that. I mean, definitely, uh, definitely that one in the case, you know. Um, oh, that was a close game, though. That was a yeah. game in the fourth quarter. I know the score was twenty three to thirteen, right? But, but Tennessee gave them a game. Oh yeah, absolutely. Tennessee gave them a game. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They they did. You know, I mean, they you know they competed well. Um, but you know, uh, Tebow was still there at Florida. You know, um you know, on, on a roll and everything. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they kept it close, but Tennessee just didn't have the, the, uh, talent really to close it out, um, that game. Um, but yeah, <laughs> these games, you know, are always very competitive. I mean, they're always great games. Um, but like I said, my, my most familiar memory with Tennessee beating Florida was when they did, you know, in 98, uh, when Florida was trying to tie uh, in overtime with a field goal and they missed it, John Ward says, no, sir, re on the radio and all the Tennessee fans go crazy. And that was the year, you know, Tennessee went undefeated and, you know, eventually won the national championship. And um, Florida has always had their number up until then, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, couldn't beat Florida <laughs> and uh, I'm, you know, and, and, and T. Martin was able to. But Tennessee has a lot of confidence going into this game. They really do have a lot of confidence. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of uh, questions to be answered, um, you know, especially, you know, if, if Tillman's going to be ready to play, um, if, you know, if the defense is going to be, you know, ready to step up, you know, because they haven't gone up against a team like Florida yet. You know, um, I'm, you know I'm excited to see what happens, definitely. Um, but Tennessee's going to play their best game uh, for sure um, that they can. Brad, in fairness, Peyton Manning did beat Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl. Okay. okay. Yay. Hey, I would, yeah. And uh, yeah, I would definitely take that. Tennessee <laughs> did beat Florida. So I just, they should let you know because yeah. Peyton Manning <laughs> finally got over the hump and beat Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 What was the most heartbreaking loss? I, mine was, I want to say 2017, that okay. year where Tennessee had a lead and uh, mm. Florida just wins it at, at the last minute. I mean, I, didn't Tennessee have a big lead in that game down in the swamp? They did. They did. They did. And uh, unfortunately, that was kind of, you know, that was kind of still under the the um, the end of the Butch Jones era, close to it. You know, I mean, 
they just couldn't finish. They started out fast. You know, they played hard in the beginning, but they just couldn't finish. You know, I mean, that, that happened with them with Texas A&M in 2016. You know, that game went overtime. They couldn't finish from there. Um, but, yeah, they had a great lead, but they just they, they just didn't know how to finish uh, back then. But, yeah, that was definitely uh, a heartbreaking loss. Yeah, a lot, a, a lot of Butch Jones is just all talk, but he just couldn't produce. And, um, I mean, yeah, he was able to recruit really great. You know, he, he brought in Alba Camara, you know, and, and Josh Dobbs. Yeah, Jawan Jennings, really, really great players. Um, you know, better doing really great in the NFL for sure. Um, but yeah, he just um, just didn't have that mentality to really finish games. They just they just couldn't put him away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they battled with a lot of great teams. I know, uh, I, I know they battled close with Alabama, but they just couldn't finish them in the fourth quarter, you know, or so and. And eventually Tennessee just had to get rid of uh, Butch Jones, especially after the uh, abysmal uh, – I think he might have won four games in maybe 2018 or so. I had to look that up. But, yeah. It yeah, was he did. You got to yeah. remember Butch Jones had two nine-win seasons. He was 3-0 and in bowl games. Right. He had one bad year. I mean, look, we're not counting the year he started off. He had a losing record his first year. Right, right of course. Tennessee – they're about as impatient as Auburn's fan base. They only <laughs> gave Butch Jones one year. Yeah, they're about to run Brian Harson out the door in all. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a passion. I mean, I mean, you're used to putting up at least nine wins a year. That's what Fulmer was doing. Fulmer was at least getting um, eight or nine, you know, uh, wins a year, and 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 I guess you're just used to having you know, great winning seasons. But, yeah, I mean, you could say they're a little bit impatient with Butch, but um, we had to go through the hard years of Pruitt, but eventually it led us to Josh, and I think Josh is doing a great job, you know, they signed on through 2028, you know, and, um, you know, he's doing a great job. We just got to see if the defense can really hold up. We know the offense can put up great numbers, but, yes. you know, the defense is really coming around. Um, it seemed like it did against Akron, but, you know, Granted, it was Akron, but um, they're going to the defense is going to play uh, exceptionally well, you know, to to compete with Florida, and uh, I believe they can uh, definitely. Do you think this is going to be a rivalry renewed between uh, head coaches Billy Napier and Josh Heupel? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that happening. I feel that Florida found their guy, even though mm -hmm. Florida. I'm looking at Florida head coaches. They only gave Dan Mullen one year, and they only mm -hmm. gave – well, they actually gave Will Muschamp, uh, you know, after finishing four and eight, he he was on for another season, and they won a bowl game, but they fired him after going six and six. Florida's yeah. expectations – I mean, right now, Florida is not a top-five program. They Their mm -hmm. expectations are they are a top-five program with the likes of Alabama and Georgia – I feel that Tennessee and Florida can get back to their days in the 90s and the early 2000s. I think that you still have Georgia. I don't think Georgia's going anywhere. But no. the, the big three in the SEC East, I just want to see a dogfight, no pun intended, between, yep. <laughs> between Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida. I mean, oh, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, Kentucky is a nice story right now. They're in the top ten, but <laughs> and speaking of Georgia, I think their toughest game coming up will be Tennessee. You know, they really don't have anybody really to worry about. You know, I mean, I mean, Tennessee will probably be their toughest game, um, you know, and and possibly Florida, you know. But, uh, 
but yeah, Georgia's definitely rolling right now. But yeah, <laughs> Brad, I absolutely yeah. agree that that Georgia Tennessee rivalry. We'll have time to talk about that yeah. when their time comes to play. Yeah, definitely, it definitely. Really, yeah. Yeah. It really resonates with me because I have ties to both schools. Yeah. Being a Tennessee fan from my time at Freed Hardman University, moving to yeah. Georgia in 2006, and just hopping on the bandwagon because, hey, Georgia's the local team. I live in Georgia, but mm-hmm. now I live in Columbus, and Columbus is more of an Auburn town. We really have yeah. a trio of Georgia, <laughs> Auburn, and Alabama here in Columbus. But Tennessee, that's the CBS game at 3.30, and I cannot wait. I'm going to be glued in front of the TV. Tennessee and Florida is always a great game, and it feels like the Super Bowl down here, and it really had a major impact on my life. Oh, I was just saying that Georgia really dislikes Florida. I mean, and I know Georgia wants to see Florida lose, and and, and especially if they lose uh, Saturday, you know. I mean, that still gives them the upper hand. In, you know, in the East, no matter what. But yeah, you're right. You know, the Tennessee-Georgia rivalry has become something in the recent years. Now, in the 90s, Tennessee did dominate Georgia. And I guess you could say in the early 2000s, they did as well. Um, you know, for, for, for a while, Tennessee has dominated Georgia. Um, but, but recently, you know, Georgia has been on a, a great role, you know, due to coaches and recruiting players and all that. But um, I know you're excited about this upcoming game this Saturday, the CBS game, Tennessee and Florida, and just always a great rivalry. Brad, yeah, I mean, I mean, we could have went into about the Titans. I, I know you probably, I know you probably don't want to talk about the Titans. Well, the Titans just have a lot of problems right now. They they're not the same team they were a couple of years ago. You know, they lost a lot of star players. Granted, AJ Brown. You know, they're they're really missing him. The offensive line is not what it was before. You know, they're having a lot of problems trying to block for Henry. The Titans just have a lot of questions and a lot of problems. And um, I don't know. I mean, to me right now, it just seems like a rebuilding year. I yeah. mean, I, I just I just don't see, you know, it's, it's probably going to be an eight and eight season. You know, I mean, they'd be lucky if they could have a shot at the wild card. <laughs> the AFC South is total. It's a total mess. I told you the Jacksonville Jaguars got to look out for them. You know, they could, they could be, you know, having a good year. I mean, I know, you know, they kind of got off to, you know, kind of a good start, but Tennessee's struggling, Colts are struggling, of course the Texans are. And, uh, yeah, don't really know what's going on with the Titans right now. I mean, uh, they just, they just got a lot of, they just got to find themselves, you know, really. And Brad, I'm excited because in a couple of weeks we'll have NBA training camps opening up at the start of the NBA season. And and we can get on this show and talk uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Grizzlies are looking to bounce back. Um, you know, hopefully they can bounce back from a great year that they had before and keep it going. Um, you know, you know they got a great young core. Um, I'm interested to see what Job Rand can do. I mean, I mean, I mean, we know that he's a phenomenal player, but, you know, has he grown with, you know, has he matured, you know, um, you know, you, you know, to be a great uh, player and um, on and off the court, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, not too far away, man. We got some basketball coming up. Tennessee uh, basketball is going to be here, too. You know, I'm, I'm excited about that. And, uh, yeah, um, always a fun time uh, with football getting, uh, you know, just starting off now. You know, I mean, people are excited, definitely. And, uh, and basketball is just around the corner, and you know, and it. Definitely helps out. And 
we got baseball coming up as well. You know, I mean, I mean, you like the really great divisions going down to the wire. Um, yes. You know? So, uh, yeah, it's really it's a really fun time right now, man. That's right. With you being a Cardinals fan, uh, the Albert Pujols home run yep. watch is at six ninety eight. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yep. you remember back? I remember because you know, I was I was in college. You know, nineteen ninety eight. Yep. The, yeah, the McGuire yeah, yeah. Sosa home run chase. Yep. That was every Cardinals and Cubs game were yep. televised on TV yep. because that was a big deal when Mark McGuire hit 62. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think with Aaron Judge hitting 59, if once he gets to 61, I think even though the record is 73, set by Barry Bonds in 2000, mm-hmm. I honestly think that a lot of recognize that as the home run record by Aaron Judge. And the uh, same with Albert Pujols. I mean, he's, yeah. he's fourth on the all-time home runs list. He just passed Alex Rodriguez. There's only three players that are ahead mm-hmm. of him. Of course, Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. I don't think he's going to catch Babe Ruth because he said he's this is going to be his final season. But I do right. feel that Albert Pujols is going to get to 700 home runs. And mm-hmm. I, I'm a purist i love these stats i mean we all know like the number 56 because 56 is the amount of game joe dimaggio hit in consecutively yeah um, yeah we we know the 2001 actually i don't really know that one cal Ripken <laughs> jr streak but right you know, right we, we we know uh 756 is uh barry bonds you know it was yeah. seven it, i mean 762 Barry Bonds, seven fifty five was Hank Aaron. Babe Ruth has has seven fourteen. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a big baseball guy, so I know baseball stats. And yeah, I mean, I mean, Paul Hulse got a great chance to do it. Um, ho- hopefully in a couple of days. I mean, I mean, they got the Padres right now, and uh, and then after that, they got the Dodgers. You know, and I love to see them do it against the Dodgers, definitely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I mean, it's going to happen. It's if not this week or probably next. It's been inciting time, definitely for St. Louis. You know, it's going to be great to see how far they can go. Oh yeah! Thank you for letting me come on, man. I mean, I'm I'm very honored always to uh, to join you on your show. I'm always great. Um, I mean, I always decide to talk uh, sports with you. I got to tell you, it's been a pleasure just having you on the show, and uh, definitely want to keep yeah. in touch and uh, yep. try to get you on as much as you can, especially with football season. Of course. That was Brad Page, my former co-host of the Up All Night Show. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another exciting episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. You can download this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.